Welcome to the South Elkhorn Christian Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the weekly messages. For bulletin material, reflection guides, and other resources, visit southelkhorncc.org. Well, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? That was great. Well, I'm so excited that we get to read the story of the, of the, uh, the one who shows compassion, a story that is commonly called the story of the good Samaritan. So grateful we've had that kind of uh, theatrical retelling of it. We're going to actually look deeply at the story itself, and I'll be interjecting some of my own commentary, maybe not nearly as colorful as Holly's. That was fantastic. That was fantastic. Um, I won't be calling anyone on stage, so the rest of the Fuquay family, you're okay. You're okay. Um, uh, But I'm especially excited that we get to dive deeper into this important and beautiful story, a story that resonates in so many different ways, in so many uh, different levels. It's It's a beautiful and complex and challenging and inspiring and transformative story. And I'm looking forward to sharing it and digging into it with you. We've been going deeper Deeper. The name of the sermon series that we've been, uh, but we've been in for the last few weeks is Deeper. Because at South Elkhorn, we are seeking to inspire Christ's deeper way of love. And we've been going through this uh, these last few weeks in the sermon series by looking at the different values of our church, of South Elkhorn Christian Church, and how that inspires us to live more deeply, to love more deeply, to keep love flowing deeply in our world and in us. Our values of extravagant welcome, of spiritual resilience, of real rest, and today we're talking about courageous conversation. And all of these values grow out of this idea of love, that when we trust love, that leads us to places of openness and extravagant welcome. It invites us to trust that God is God, and we don't need to be, and we can rest It invites us to trust the long work of love and that even when we fall down, when the odds are stacked against us, when we're in pain and when we're hurt and betrayed, no matter what, we can trust again that love can make a difference and we can get back up, spiritual resilience, and try again. And today we're invited to go deeper into this idea of courageous conversation, to so trust love, the presence of love, God's love at work in us, God's love that meets us in conversation with others, that we can have the courage to voice the pain and to experience and explore new ideas that might take us somewhere new, even if those ideas might challenge the ways we think might challenge the way we've always known something to be, might challenge the way we think the world works, might challenge the way we think God works. One of the things I'm grateful for in this church, as an expression of our denomination, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, Christ, is that we are not a dogmatic church or a doctrinal church. Our job, my job, is not to get you to believe a certain kind of thing. My job is to invite you on a journey, trusting that God will show up and be at work in your life. Healing, transforming, growing, discovering for yourself and discovering in community the meaning of salvation. The fullness of your soul alive with God's grace and goodness. 
It also means that my job in preaching is not to end conversation with invoking the final, the final idea or the final clever statement on what the Bible means or what it looks like, but instead to begin a conversation, to introduce some ways of looking at things in perhaps a new or fresh way, to invite you to experience in a new or fresh way the stories of Scripture and God with us. My job isn't to end conversation. I hope if I'm doing my job well and faithfully that I'm beginning a conversation, opening up new ideas where God can work and grow within us. And I'm so grateful to be part of a church where honest conversations can happen, where we can bring our doubts and our questions and our wonderment, where we can be in community with others, where we're not going to be judged and shunned and shamed because we don't have it all figured out or have a big question, that instead we're gonna learn and grow together. Courageous conversation, being who we are, to learn and grow. And I pray this morning that the, the scripture story that may be near and dear to us, that perhaps we've heard over and over and over again, might once again come alive in a fresh and meaningful way to direct our path and inspire us to have the courageous conversations that we need to have as a community, and as people, as individuals. Because Jesus was all about courageous conversations. You can't read the Gospels for long without finding him picking up a difficult topic or a disputed area of spirituality and offering a perspective and interpretation. And yet when he does so, often when he does so, he does so in important and beautiful ways. Ways that we will see on display in this story. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to open up to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be reading starting in verse 25, the parable of what is often called the Good Samaritan. And since we're on the topic of courageous conversation, let me offer a thesis that might be contentious, unsettling, challenging. What if by calling it the parable of the Good Samaritan, we're betraying the very point Jesus is trying to make. What if to see and experience this story in its fullness, fullness and depth means we've got to come up with another name for it? Again, perhaps this is where the conversation begins. Let's read together. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. A lawyer stood up to test Jesus, and perhaps Jesus could sense this. Perhaps Jesus could see this coming a mile away. Perhaps Jesus had had this happen before with others trying to test and trap and tempt him. Perhaps Jesus is ready for this. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? That word do is really important. Now, I, Dane Smith, probably reading the Greek in real time, he's a PhD student at New Testament, he can probably tell me if I'm right on this. I believe it's in the aorist tense, that Greek word there. It is, all right, I've passed my New Testament for today. It's in the aorist tense. What does that mean? Why does that matter? Who cares? Well, here's why it matters. It's because it means one thing at one time, one moment. Check what can I check off so I can just move on and know that I have eternal life? And 
here's what Jesus could have said. Here's what eh, I might have said. That's a dumb question. Come on, you silly head. You know that's not how it works. But Jesus doesn't name call. Jesus doesn't hurl insults. Even if Jesus saw this coming a million miles away, Jesus knows that he can distinguish between someone's actions and someone's person. And Jesus enters into the space where perhaps Jesus wants to have a courageous conversation where it's not about being right or wrong, winning or losing, but growing and connecting and providing an opportunity to see the world differently. So how does Jesus respond? Jesus says, what is written in the law? And importantly, what do you read there? Opening up this idea that just because it's written in the law doesn't mean it's clear. And that perhaps we have to do this work of interpretation, of risking, of risking an interpretation, making a wager on what it means. Jesus opens up this space and basically gets curious about this person and how he reads and what he makes of it. And so instead of getting defensive and saying, oh, you're just trying to test me and trap me, you're a silly head, you've asked the wrong question. No, instead Jesus gets curious and asks a clarifying question. Well, what do you, what do you think? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, yeah, you got it. You've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Of course, that's not one thing you can check off and move on from. That's a lifetime commitment of learning and growing, making mistakes and trying again. Do this. And you won't check off eternal life as some kind of transaction for the afterlife. No, you will live the kind of heavenly life God wants for you right here and right now, the abundant, the full, the good life. Do this and you will live in all the ways that God wants you to live. But wanting to justify himself, have any of you ever met someone who wanted to justify themselves? You have. Um, I'm that person. You see, okay, here, confession time. When I was in divinity school and seminary, I read ahead because I, was, I really, really, really wanted to look good in class. I really didn't want to be considered stupid or dumb. Being right matters to me. And so I would read ahead, but I didn't just read ahead in the books that were assigned. I would find the professor's book that they had written, and I would read that. And then we'd get into a discussion, in, 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 into a class, and there would be a discussion, and I would ask one of those probing, insightful questions taken directly out of the professor's book in chapter three. Don't I look good? And the professor would say, that's a great question, Michael. That's excellent. That leads us to our next thing. I know. Wanting to justify myself, wanting to look good, wanting to look right, wanting to look smart, wanting to, wanting to show everyone just how smart I am. The lawyer says to Jesus, yes, Jesus, but... Who is my neighbor? Just who is my neighbor? Because the truth is that idea of neighbor wasn't a settled category. What does neighbor mean? The person who lives physically next to you? A person who's in your tribe of religion, of culture, of race, of gender? What does neighbor really mean? 
And perhaps this gets at this whole wanting to test, trap, tempt Jesus. Maybe I can get Jesus to say an answer that we can all point fingers at him and go, see, you're doing it wrong. And Jesus, being the imaginative, creative person that he is, replies with a story, tells a story. Now to be clear, this likely didn't happen. This is not a journalistic account of something that happened on the road. No, this is, this is Jesus wanting to make a point, getting at this conversation that has opened up between him and the lawyer. Jesus says this, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, or put it this way, there once was a man, there was a certain man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, by chance, a priest was going down that road. Now, if you're living in the time of Jesus and someone begins a story like this, you already know how it's going to go. This is like someone saying, I got a joke for you. So a priest, a rabbi, and a senior minister at South Elkhorn walk into a bar, right? You know how this is gonna go, right? First the priest does something, and the rabbi does something, and the senior minister does something really stupid, and it's funny. We, we know how these things go. This, this is the way you told a story in Jesus' time. Well, we know how this is gonna go. There's gonna be two institutional people, right? People who are considered smart, who are given prestige and honor, and they're gonna do it wrong. And then we know what happens. There's a third person who's gonna come on the scene, an everyday person, an everyday Jewish person who's gonna show us why these institutional elitists just have it all wrong and don't know how to do it the right way, the faithful way, the good way. We know how these stories go. Let's read what Jesus does. He passed by, this priest passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side, just as we expect. And then this is where it gets strange. But a Samaritan, wait, what? A Samaritan? That's not how these stories go. You get a, you get a person of faith, an Israelite person of faith, a Jewish leader, and then you get an everyday lay Jewish person. You and me, but a Samaritan? Jesus says, but a Samaritan while traveling came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. Okay, now Jesus, now you're doing too much here. I don't know if you know this, Jesus, but Samaritans, they're the enemy. They're not like us. You see, you have to understand that there once was a, there once was a kingdom, of a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom that were united together that broke apart, and part of this northern kingdom became the area of Samaria. And when these kingdoms broke apart, they began to be, no surprise, antagonistic at each other, blaming each other for problems that we're having. The, the southern kingdom, the Israelites in Judah, looked at the northern kingdom and saw them practicing religion, not in the way they practiced religion, and so their religion was wrong, their culture was dirty and inferior, and so what developed was this religious and cultural animosity that resulted in real violence happening. I've preached this before, but in John's gospel, when Jesus goes through Samaria and has the conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well, that's crazy because what often happened was Jewish people would go around Samaria for fear of being ambushed, assaulted. And Samaritans had, were acting in their own reactionary way against the violence that had happened to them and their people and their culture. These are enemies, Jesus. Don't you see? 
this is crazy nonsense. What do you mean a Samaritan comes walking and has pity? He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Didn't just give him some money on the side of the road, but actually invested in this person, took him to where he could find help, and then invested in the long-term healing of this person. This is a, this is a heroic, beautiful, amazing, crazy act. And then Jesus says, which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the lawyer, so unsettled, couldn't even say the name Samaritan. Just says the one who showed him mercy, which was true in the deepest, most beautiful way. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The word of God for the people of God. This is an unsettling and challenging story. It's unsettling and challenging because Jesus does something surprising with it. He overturns our expectations by injecting someone into the story that we would never expect to be there to make a point that sometimes the ways we think the world work, works may not be how it actually works. The way we understand people may not be a full picture of who people really are. The point that Jesus is making is that this Samaritan can be doing the very work of God too, which might be a shock to those who heard this story and might have stopped being a shock to us as we've gotten very, very familiar with this story. I think what's masterful about this story as well is that Jesus is not just telling someone they're silly and stupid. He's not just turning away from a difficult conversation, but is finding an imaginative and creative and yet still challenging way to unsettle and disrupt the closed version of the world that this lawyer was trying to test Jesus with. She says, you want to know who can love God and love others? Anyone. Look for people who love. Be a person who loves. Jesus is opening, trying to open up this lawyer's world and does so in a way that, that for me, it's just so beautiful because I fall into the temptation to, of just wanting to dismiss and shun and isolate myself from people who have silly ideas and silly questions. And, and Jesus is showing a more beautiful way to enter into a conversation with someone where he can connect and grow and trust someone to work something out. We live in a divided world a hyper-energized and charged world where every little thing has its own partisan pocket. And it's easy, it's easy to get sucked into places where we just want to dismiss people. We just want to 
let people have their silly ideas as we see them. And what this invites us to do, what Jesus invites us to do, is to actually be curious about each other. Ask questions. Offer our thoughts. And try to grow together, trusting that maybe, just maybe, God can make a way where there seems like there's no way because we're just going to agree to disagree. Jesus doesn't agree to disagree. Instead, Jesus wants to enter into a give and take, a conversation with someone else where question is returned with question, where story is returned, with, is, is returned to a question, and where perhaps a new idea can be introduced that maybe, just maybe, might plant a seed in this lawyer's heart. We live in a world where I don't think this kind of conversation exists very much. And my hope and my prayer for the church is to be a place that stewards these kinds of conversations where we can be honest and open and be curious about each other and learn from each other and where we can enter uncomfortable territory instead of just saying, oh, it's too much. We can listen and we can hear. Because the point of a conversation isn't to win. It's not to be proved right. The point of a conversation, a real conversation, a holy conversation, is to have the courage to show up and learn something new. And perhaps discover that a new idea or a new way of understanding the world that you hadn't thought about before might actually make better sense of the world and lead to freedom and release and healing and wholeness and, as Jesus puts it, life. 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 Part of being courageous is learning to tell your own story and recognizing the baggage that you bring to a conversation, that you bring with you somewhere. I mean, this is why Jesus asked the question, what do you read? How do you understand it? Perhaps it would have been wonderful to hear the lawyer's perspective on what counts as a neighbor for this lawyer. Part of having a courageous conversation is being willing to enter into uncomfortable territory. And so I'm going to trust you all. I'm going to trust you with this perhaps uncomfortable thesis that maybe calling this story the parable of the good Samaritan betrays the very point Jesus is trying to make. Why? If I were to say, oh, that's a good Schwarzenegger, what does that suggest? Schwarzenegger's usually aren't good. They're bad. But that good one, that's a good one. We can accept that good one. To call the story the story of the good Samaritan is to suggest that Samaritans are normally bad. Or perhaps, maybe that's not entirely true, perhaps the other way to see this, and unfortunately the way that it's been read in the past, is you've got the bad Jew, the bad Jew, and the good Samaritan. And this becomes a story of anti-Semitism. Perhaps the act of calling it the Good Samaritan betrays the very point that Jesus is trying to make. Stop putting people into categories of bad and good and get curious about where people are coming from and why they're saying what they're saying. And that doesn't mean we can't challenge ideas, but it does mean that we're distinguishing people's actions and ideas and beliefs from their personhood, which is a challenge, especially if you have kids or a spouse 
Or there are people that you love because we are conditioned to immediately, immediately attack character or to extrapolate an action into an entire person's character. Instead of focusing on the action, on what was said, on the idea, on the policy, on the setup. Courageous conversation is about willing to distinguish between what someone does and what someone says and who they are and get curious about why someone does something or says something, including ourselves. I'll tell you why I have called this the story of the Good Samaritan for so long. That's how it was taught to me. It literally says it in my Bible. The parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, of course, Jesus never says that. And so I wonder if this sermon is going to begin a conversation rather than end a conversation, I would love I would love to hear what you have to say. If you were going to name this parable, and if you were going to name it something other than a good Samaritan, what would you name it? What is the meaning? What is the point of this parable? Perhaps I've thought something, maybe it's the one who had mercy. Maybe it's, as Jack McAllister said to me before the service, just do it. I love that. What would you call this story? And maybe think about this. What are the conversations in your life that you need to have? Because it's getting increasingly easier just to avoid conversations in our world. To get in our own silos where we don't have to interact with someone else's thoughts or to shut down conversation because we don't want to be disrupted by the discomfort of different ideas and different ways of understanding things. And what does it mean as a church to say that's not going to be who we are? We're going to have and we'll need to have to be a healthy church, uncomfortable and hard and difficult conversations. And that we hope and pray for the courage to have them faithfully to not attack each other, to not judge each other, to not avoid because we don't want people to be unhappy, dealing, about what, dealing with what's really going on in our community and in our lives. I'm grateful that this can be a place that is not just a safe space, I do think safety matters, but that it can be a brave space where we can take what we think we know and bring it honestly before each other and be curious about what other people know and have to offer and learn and grow. Because if we learn anything from Jesus, it's this. He's not interested in shutting people down. He's interested in helping people grow and connect and discover that the kingdom of God is right here, right now, even in hard and especially in hard conversations. Thanks for listening to the message this week. Visit southelkorncc.org 
where you can download reflection and discussion guides to dig deeper into the weekly scripture and message.